What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Chrisman Frank is the co-founder and CEO of Synthesis, a new educational experience for children aged 8 to 14 that focuses on teaching problem solving and critical thinking skills. In this conversation, we discuss the Synthesis story, Elon Musk, critical thinking, independent thought, first principles, the broken education system, and why synthesis is better than classrooms. I really enjoyed this conversation with Chrisman, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Circle. Circle is a global financial technology firm that enables businesses of all sizes to harness the power of stable coins and public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications worldwide. Circle is also the principal developer of USD Coin, USDC, which is the fastest growing regulated fully reserved dollar stable coin in the world. It's now more than $25 billion in market cap, and they're adding nearly $300 million of net new digital dollars in circulation every single week. The free Circle account and suite of platform API services bridge the gap between traditional payments and crypto for trading, DeFi, and NFT marketplaces. I've had Jeremy, the CEO, on the podcast before. I'm a really big fan of what USDC is and how Circle is building out the ecosystem. Make sure you go to circle.com today to learn more. Again, circle.com. Next up is Amber Group. With low yields and looming risk of inflation around the world, it's no question crypto is the alternative. With Amber App, you can easily earn high yields on your crypto assets. Amber App is an all-in-one crypto finance app designed to help you earn, swap, trade, and invest in crypto. You can earn interest instantly by simply depositing assets to your wallet and you receive daily interest payouts. This means earning interest 24-7 with no lockup. You can also customize fixed-term investments between 1 and 360 days to enjoy higher yields with flexible redemptions. Right now, go check them out at ambergroup.io. Again, go to ambergroup.io or you can go and download the Amber app in the app store. ambergroup.io, let me know what you think. All right, let's get into this episode with Chrisman. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got Crispin here. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. (laughs) Uh, You've been on before. We've talked a ton about synthesis. Um, I recently heard a story, though, that you have more intel as to how the original synthesis class was created by your co-founder, Josh, at uh, at Astra, which is the school that Elon and Josh created on the SpaceX campus. Yeah. So what what is the story? <laughs> tell, tell, tell Josh's story here. Yeah. Well, I, so I was, uh, you know, been, been trying to do more writing as part of the company, writing up our kind of like secret master plan. And I had kind of like the you know, the, the why, like our missions to accelerate human progress through education. Right. So we had the why we kind of, we know where we're going. There's like this analogy of like an Ender's, Ender's game, Ender's Academy, you know, for the internet, Ender's, Ender's game for innovators, we call it. Right. And so we kind of, we kind of had these two pieces and I called Josh cause I was like, look, I, I'm trying to write this like middle ground, which is like, what is synthesis right now? Like why, why is it the way that it is this, this idea of like learning through these games and simulations? And I know 
you know, I've seen the videos of Elon talking about, um, he wanted education to be problem focused rather than tool focused. Right. So I was like, what is that? Is that the, is that, is that what led to, you know, you creating synthesis for the school? And I I was kind of, you know, kind of walk me through that. And I never asked him that story, like from, you know, to tell me that the whole way through before. And so he was like, yeah, I was, I was at this other school, you know, teaching Elon's kids and he would come in for like, you know, parent teacher conferences. And it's like, you know, he's, he's Elon Musk. I didn't think he would want to talk about like normal stuff parents wanted to talk about at conferences. And so I showed him this thing, this Goldilocks exercise I had the kids do, which was basically you give the kids a trillion dollars in hypothetical money. And you give them a couple sectors in the in the economy or in the world to allocate it. And you just ask, like, how do you want to allocate the money? Do you want to, you know, conserve like, uh, you know, endangered species habitats? Do you want to invest in healthcare, education? Like, how do you want to invest this money? And like Elon thought it was pretty cool. And so then when Elon wanted to start the school, he's like, you know, came to me. It was like, you know, remember, remembered this teacher is kind of like aligned with what I want to do. And so then now he's like reporting to Elon. He's the only teacher in the world reporting to Elon Musk. And it's pretty intense, right? Because you want to you wanna keep your job and you're just, every meeting, you're just like constantly worried that you're going to get fired. And so he knows kind of Elon's dictate is like, you know, teach kids how to solve problems, which he takes, he's like, well, Elon's the world's best problem solver. Let me like observe him when I'm in the meetings with him. And he's watching. I mean, the interesting thing is like, he, he said Elon has an incredible command of the details on a lot of things that have to do with the rockets, material science, like that, that kind of stuff he knows just incredibly well. When he's meeting with Josh, he's running the school, he doesn't have the full context. Like Josh knows the details more than he does. And so Josh is realizing he's coming to these meetings. Josh is kind of telling him what's going on with the school. And he, he lacks the context, but he's gotten really good at auditing your reasoning communicating what he wants and, and communicating with you to like figure out the course correction. So he's doing, you strip away all the context and he's still got some skill of thinking and problem solving, even without the command of the details. And so Josh is observing this and he's thinking, you know, that's really interesting. How can I get kids to do this? Because the normal way in school is you'll do like a whole unit where you learn, you know, about everything you do all this, like knowledge gathering and then you'll do a project like at the end and he's like that's pretty like time consuming and you can see like elon's doing this thing where he doesn't need all that information he can just like kind of reason from first principles and so josh starts giving the kids these problems where he strips away a lot of the context so it's like uh he started asking them a a question spacex dealing with at the time how would you move the company to brownsville texas and the kids are, they get really into that, right? They come up with all these plans and, and they get really excited by it. And, you know, they're really, really like learning to think and to communicate with each other to form these plans. But when you get to the end of it, it's like, cool, good plan. And then that's it, right? You just like throw it away. There's no, there's no action. There's no feedback. And so from that, he started making these, you know, turning these kind of questions into simulations where you're competing with the other teams. And now there's a reality. Now you can do the iterative feedback loops. Now there's like, there's emotional stakes, right? So before when it's just a question, it's like cognitively interesting, but you know, in the real world, you need to actually make decisions. You need to see how things turn out. You need to course correct. And, uh, that's how, that's how we arrived at you know, the full suite that is synthesis. This is fascinating because, uh, when I was at Facebook, uh, at one point, uh, the interview process would essentially allow for, uh, product managers to interview 
potential product managers that were coming into the business. And the way that we did it was uh, they would go through some screening and filtering, but then there was three people uh, that were current product managers that would each take a specific track. So you're going to focus on like product uh, development. I'm going to focus on like execution and teamwork and somebody else may focus on like cultural fit or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And you go into the interview and it's just one-on-one with the individual. uh, But you know, I'm here to specifically get at this angle for, Right. Uh, for the interview process. And the one that I uh, spent the most time learning about uh, and eventually ended up doing, you know, over 100 interviews at the company f- with candidates around was giving them a hypothetical situation and then basically continuously feeding them more and more information to see how they thought through the problem. So mm-hmm. I have no clue that any of this is going on the first time uh, that I'm hearing some of these details. Uh, and I learned this from some of the product managers at Facebook who are very good at interviewing people. And mm-hmm. the example I would always use is like, hey, you come into work on Friday, everything's fine, you have a great day at work, you go home Friday night, you come back Monday morning, and 50% of the traffic to your product has disappeared, what do you do? (laughs) And it's fascinating because what it got at was, I always remember the best answer I ever had was uh, somebody who had been doing this for 15 years, first thing they said was, I would immediately alert everyone on the team that we have a problem. Everyone would just jump to solve the problem. But somebody who had done it before mm-hmm. is like communicate, get right? More, like, more brains on the problem. I- exactly. Mm-hmm. So like little things like that you pick up on like, okay, this person knows what they're doing versus somebody who just tries to, to jump at it. Yeah. And as you would work through the problem, you basically tell them more. Okay. Uh, they would say, hey, I would go and I would check the dashboards. Fine. When you check the dashboard, you see that uh, no traffic has dropped off from these three platforms. And you just kind of keep giving them more and more information. And eventually, like, it would end up with, like, uh, we would get on the phone with Google and ask them why our links are broken or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. And you really, really got a good sense for how somebody thought, what they would do in that situation, even mm-hmm. though it's just two people sitting in a room talking about a hypothetical. Yeah. It sounds like that's really similar, actually, to what. Elon and Josh figured out with the school and synthesis as a class specifically was just doing that, but doing it for kids rather than waiting until you're, you know, 20s, 30s, 40 years old to try to put you in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I think it's really strange. Like I know people who have been to, been to law school, people who worked at McKinsey, it's like a consulting firm where they, they're really like, you know, kind of teach you this rigorous thought process, you know, obviously, uh, and, and then uh, computer programmers, I feel like computer programming is where I learned to think and reason properly because you're just, you just come face to face with the results of your sloppy thinking. Right. And that's, uh, that's what synthesis does for kids. Like it, it's, you know, if you, if you do this thing in school, like the, the kind of like the previous, you know, the iteration, the step, like right before we got to synthesis is like, you know, plan something out, like make a plan, do, do what you're doing in like the Facebook interviews, but it's, it's just kind of like sterile to do that. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you, you need that feedback from the environment. So when you're learning to like program, you know, you get that feedback and it's like, it's brutal, like shows you how sloppy your thinking is. If you're in law school, you know, you've got to argue with other people. And so you'll get eviscerated if you don't do it properly in school. Like, I'm not sure where kids ever get that experience. And the test that you come up against in school is just like, did you spit the information back or, you know, did, did you kind of repeat the teacher's opinions back to them? And what's nice about the way we do it in synthesis, it's kind of, it's like, it's combat for your, for your mind. And, you know, it's a team sports, it's team combat, which is the way that the world actually works. And, you know, it just takes the teacher out of it. It's not like if we're saying this is bad work, it's like, it's not our opinion. Like you just, you just got destroyed in this game. And that's just really cool to see that. Like the kids that come in who are the smart kids, like the gifted kids, 
uh, you know, they get smashed that first time and they always come in, they're super, super confident. Like we're going to crush everybody. Cause I always get the, you know, the best grades on the tests in school. And so they got this plan they go into battle and they get crushed and, you know, they'll start crying a lot of times, but then, you know, they'll come back and be, cause it, it's that, you know, it's that ego, you know, just like, just, just humbling yourself. And I think it's really good to get that experience early because then you just kind of, you shut off the part of you. That's like, I just need, I need approval. I'm just going to get like the, the grades and the gold stars and everything. And you start worrying about like how to actually improve yourself and improve your thinking. Is intellectual humility, like a key foundational component of being able to think clearly, like do the kid have to get to that point? And it's almost like, it's kind of like military boot camp. like you got to break them down before you build them back up to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think it's always like one of the things that most admired about Elon is the way he talked about his projects like early on. It's like, I don't, don't really think these things are necessarily going to work, but they're worth trying. And I think that's, it's just really important to keep that mindset. And if you read a lot of history, you know, and people who get killed are often like the most arrogant about their prospects. You know, the, the generals that, that survive and keep winning are the ones who are always worried about losing. And so, yeah, you want to get that. I, I know I, I like graduated from school and like went out and like started businesses and just got killed. Like I just did not realize what an idiot I was. And I had to learn the hard way and like cost a lot of money and just made a lot of long-term, you know, a lot of mistakes. And I think, you know, the hope with synthesis is that you can, you know, I, th I really think the problem is in school, you just don't get to act, right? Like you're not a, you're not an agent. You're like a passive kind of receptacle of information. And there's some value of that. Like we all need to learn arithmetic and you know, we all learn how to read and mm. there's some basic information we need to know. But yeah, I think we kind of stretch out school and make what could be learned in, you know, one or two hours a week. We just, we just stretch it out, you know, for eight hours a day, just cause we have to fill the time. And, uh, you know, what synthesis does is it gives kids a chance to be, be an agent. It's like, you know, mental combat. It's fun. It's like a team sport for sharpening your thinking and sharpening your communications. So I think that part of this is like, you have to get to intellectual humility in order to be able to learn, be able to think correctly and, yeah. and, and kind of go from there. Uh, there's a quote that uh, we were talking about before. It is uh, Christopher Nolan from uh, The Dark Knight Rises. And he says, oh, you think darkness, darkness is your ally, but you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then it was nothing to me but blinding. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. And we were talking about this quote in the context of a kid who goes through synthesis, who has this kind of foundational um, uh, structure and training in how to think, not what to think, but how to think, mm -hmm. they are the one that is molded by the darkness. They're, they're, they're comfortable in chaos versus you take the kid who read this book, do the book report, get an A. Read yeah, this book, yeah. do a book report, get an A. When you put those two kids meet, you know, we, I think we think of it as like mental combat, right? But, mm -hmm. but when they meet in competition, Usually it's the one molded by the darkness, the one who's comfortable in chaos, who ends up kind of, you know, uh, prevailing. Yeah, I think that I think that's that's right. That's kind of the key skill is like the adaptability. And if you're you know what what school does really, you know, with the thing that's really bad for like the top kids, it just convinces you that you're really smart. It, and it's uh, I like there's this quote by Warren Buffett as well. Like it's better it's better to have a, uh, a 130 IQ and think it's 120 than, than to have it be 160 and think it's 180. 
right? There's just, it just not, there's no advantage into being arrogant and like overly confident in your understanding of reality. And so I think it's, it, that's one of the coolest things you see at synthesis kids, just, they get that experience early. And you know, when you're, if you, this happens to you when you're like 25, like, man, it's brutal and it's tough. And it's like, it, it's, it shakes up your whole world, maybe for years when it happens to you when you're like eight, it's like no big deal. Like you, you bounce back in like, you know, a day and a half and then you're, you know, you could change your direction in life. And so there's this other thing I talk about, which is like the, the best musicians, like they never, they don't start training in their twenties. Like you, you get introduced to it when you're young, when your mind is, is flexible and more elastic. And, you know, my hope through synthesis, you get the kids into this way of thinking early, which is just a physics, like computer programming, like, like law school type of thinking where it's really just like checking yourself on what you think, you know, and being rigorous, which, you know, anyone who spends any time on the internet can see, we have a major problem with people not being rigorous in their thinking. And, you know, my hope is you get kids through this kind of program early and it's fun because it just feels like, you know, playing video games with your friends to the kids. But, you know, it really is about questioning your thinking, questioning your assumptions, figuring out how to course correct when you're wrong. If we do that early, then, you know, who knows what things look like a generation from now. Yeah. Well, there, there's another quote that Buffett uses around IQ where he says, uh, investing is not a game where you put the guy with the, uh, where the guy with the 160 IQ beats the guy with the 130 IQ. Once you have ordinary intelligence, these mm -hmm. kind of just like some basic level of intelligence, what you need is the temperament to control the urges that get other people into trouble in investing. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you watch the synthesis, um, uh, kind of, you know, cohort or, or the game get played, it's the smartest kid actually can have the Achilles heel of they lose their temper. They don't know how to communicate. 100%. They have no ability to participate in the yeah. team. Like, like there's all these things that translate to the workforce, right? If, yeah, if you're the yeah. smartest person, but you're an asshole, like you're not going to be very effective for the most part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, one of the, I love that Josh came up with his name synthesis. And I just, I think this is so brilliant. The, the conceit of school, the way we do education now is you divide it by subjects. Elon kind of alluded to this. And, you know, when he was starting the school, like they, they're teaching you tools, right? And the problem is that in life, there are no math problems. There are no engineering problems. There's no such thing as like a pure engineering problem. It's always wrapped up in a people problem or like a product problem. And so, you know, the, the, the way that we teach, you know, it teaches this kind of separations of, of domain knowledge. And then the world just never works like that. Like Elon could not get done what he needs to get done without the knowledge of how to work with people, how the wider systems work, how to get media attention, like all these things are bound up together. And you know, I think it's not just like he's this great engineer. He knows how to deal with everything that's around engineering, but he's able to apply that sort of the discipline of physics and like rigorous thinking and really breaking things down into all these different areas. And that's really what we hope for. Like, I'm not sure every kid who goes through synthesis won't be, uh, you know, necessarily working on getting us to Mars or, or, you know, hardcore like technology projects, but that type of thinking can benefit you anywhere. And like, as far as I can tell, I just don't see that kids are picking this up at all in the current school system. If they do, it's maybe, maybe in college, if you take some engineering classes or programming classes, but otherwise, you know, you just don't see it. How do you think about the difference between like what we'll call like the development of the tools? Uh, so learning math, learning reading, learning, you know, some of these more kind of uh, traditional education building blocks with 
synthesis? Is it something where you need both at a young age? So you need to learn uh, in the traditional school system, kind of the rote memorization and, and the skill sets, and then you apply them in synthesis? Or do you think there's eventually a world where uh, synthesis could be the totality of early education, where we just give you the problems and you'll end up picking up the kind of building blocks or skills along the way as you're solving the problems? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think our sort of key insight is, you know, what would, what would the education system look like if you built it after the internet existed? Like, how would you think about it? Right. And it seems to me like you would start with the kind of games simulations, like action, like, cause that's what happens in the world is you, you have some problem, you have something that you want to get done. And then, you know, like you, for example, if just, you acquire a lot of knowledge, we're sitting in the studio here, like you, but you didn't like take a class on how to create studios, like, you know, in college or whatever, uh, you just, you learn how to do that to like solve a problem. And so I, I think it's, you know, the, the kind of vision is that you, you just start a new education, education system with the simulations and games at the core and you kind of expand in concentric rings for everything outside of that. So as far as what that looks like, you know, I don't know exactly. I think there's, there's a path where the simulations require you to learn more, you know, real knowledge. Like I love the idea of a simulation where you're only going to win if you really have a strong knowledge of physics. And then we might not necessarily teach you that through the games, but you'll have to go, you know, read stuff that's outside the games in order to apply it in an order to win. So it's like the same way in life where, yeah, I always give this example. Like I'm, I, I kind of have a decent knowledge of accounting, but not because I'm interested in accounting at all. It's just because if I don't know accounting, like the company probably dies. I need to know a little bit at least. Right. But I, I go acquire that information somewhere else and then I apply it to the game of building the company. And so I think that's more, more and more where we want to go. Like you need knowledge to succeed in life. I think we get, should get to the point where in the simulations you need knowledge to succeed. But right now it's pretty early days and we're just focused on the, you know, what you call like critical thinking communication, like rigorous thinking. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Have you been doing this long enough now where you've got insights on certain types of kids are more likely to succeed or is it pretty much any kid can get put into the program and maybe they go from, you know, level one to level three, but the level three kid goes from level three to level five. Like, is it just everyone can improve or does there have to be a certain type of kid, certain type of previous experience? Yeah, it seems you know, it's, it's like life. There's, there are, it's one of the really interesting things is that there are places for different personalities and different ways of thinking and synthesis. I think the one thing is it's not going to be in, enjoyable if you don't, uh, if you, if you don't like thinking and, you know, I, kids generally do, but, uh, you know, some kids don't like the challenge. Um, and so they, they'll, you know, they'll just not have fun with it. But if you like the challenge and you like kind of testing yourself, it's you know sort of like, like team sports. Like some people are really, really into that and really enjoy that. Uh, and, and you know, some people, some people don't. And so it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's necessarily for everybody. I think it's every kid would benefit from doing it. Um, but it's not necessarily like every kid's not going to, you know, rise to the top levels in synthesis. But uh, you know, our, our approach is we have kind of like this, this, you know, bottom level or like outer ring that anybody can join and then we'll let you decide how high you want to rise. Right. So kind of like martial arts, like anybody can go take a jujitsu class and sign up and, you know, start working toward a, toward a blue belt, but not everybody is going to 
have the dedication to rise and get the black belt. But we want to at least create the system where, you know, if you go through that and you get like the black belt at synthesis, that it it really means something that it's not just like a, you know, participation ribbon. Um, but we also think it's very hard to predict who's going to succeed. And a lot of it just comes down to how hard people are going to work. So we want to make it open to as many people as possible. Yeah. Uh, Shopify has this uh, mantra of arming the rebels and they're specifically talking about, you know, Amazon's the big, bad kind of online retailer. We're going to give the small businesses the tools necessary to compete. It feels a lot like what you're essentially doing is you're arming the rebels, but it's the future thinkers, problem solvers, innovators, entrepreneurs um, that the world ultimately is going to need. And really it's coming at it from, uh, and this is kind of my interpretation I don't care if you go into engineering. I don't care if you go into computer science. I don't care if you go into business or any other, you know, uh, multitude of kind of avenues in your professional career. I just want you to be a clear thinker. And if we can teach you to be a clear and kind of effective thinker, you should be successful at whatever you choose to do in the future. More successful, at least. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's yeah, it's, it's interesting because one of the cool things about synthesis is you have to take action. It's just it's just like life. There's a lot of information coming at you. You cannot wait for perfect information and you just have to act and get the feedback from the environment. And so I think there's some element of like training, like you can, for every trait, you know, whether it's IQ or, or temperament, whatever it is, there's sort of like a, there's like a Goldilocks, right? Like you, you can be too far out to the right on IQ and you can just be completely ineffective because you just, you fall in love with your mental creations and you don't take action. And so it's like trying to create this, uh, this just right environment where, you know, the skills that you kind of in life, you need to balance your thinking and your action in order to succeed. You can't wait until you have it all figured out. So it's trying to create an environment where kids can actually get the feeling of doing that. Um, because you know, the world's just changed a lot. It used to be that you could, you could go join. I remember when I was uh, about to graduate college, uh, I had an offer from GE and my parents were like, that's amazing. Like you should take that offer from GE. That's an incredible company. And I just saw, it's like, I don't want to, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this thing where I like move up through the ranks. I'm not going to be like really well adapted to, to go up through this bureaucracy. But that was like really for my parents' generation, that was like the best thing that you could do is you get in one of these big bureaucracies, a big institution and, you know, kind of try to move up through the ranks. And I think now we're going through, you know, in American society, at least, is there's sort of a falling trust in institutions. And I think our, you know, that's probably going to continue and our kids are going to have to be really adaptable. They're going to have to be really able to, uh, you know, embrace the chaos, as we say, at synthesis and figure out, you know, figure out their own path through that. And that's, uh, that's different, right? That's different in like all of human history. You used to have a lot more kind of stability and, you know, you could pay attention to people a little bit older than you and your parents and kind of do what they do and succeed. And you know, now it's, uh, things seem to be changing very quickly. It seems like the core skill is just adapting to changing information landscape. Yeah. One of the things we've talked about in the past is uh, there's obviously Elon, the way he thinks and and kind of the success he's had. Uh, another, when you speak of kind of chaos, uh, there's a um, kind of a label of masters of chaos around the special forces in the military. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those two things seem very different. But when you actually break down what are they doing, uh, they're having to make high impact decisions in super multivariate environments with a lack of information mm-hmm. and zero, almost zero ability to predict what yeah. the outcome's going to be. Is it fair to think about the kids are really 
being taught the same thing, right? You know, just, just yeah. like we teach the special forces soldiers kind of building blocks of skills and then, hey, here's how to be successful. By the way, we're just going to drop you in a country, you know, four or eight of you and like go figure it out. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you're doing this in a virtual environment and it may be around something that's obviously much less dangerous, you know, and kind of more kid friendly, but a lot of the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the training environment, right? So there's in the training environment, there's, you know, you get to practice ideally the same set of skills, but there's no, no consequence to failure. That's, that's the idea. Right. And, you know, the special forces, do, they do the same thing. I'm, I'm reading that book you recommended masters of chaos. And, uh, I'd always been into like the military training, right? Because you, especially special forces, because you're, you know, how, how do people act? How do they prepare when, if they get it wrong, their you know, brothers and sisters are going to die. Well, like they're going to take it seriously. And so we should pay attention to that. That's a, it's like a harsh training environment. It's unlike, you know, I, actually this is a really good point because you, you brought up Elon again. And I think there's a, you know, it, there's always a question of like, what is at the top of this system, right? I think if you look at the existing education system, what's at the pinnacle, it's getting like a PhD, right? Which is like, and, you know, then some sciences like PhDs, like move the world forward for sure. But in a lot of fields, it's you write papers for other PhDs. And, you know, very few people read the papers and it's just kind of like this endless argument. Like what if there's a system for actors, like people who are like actually agents, people who are changing in the world? Like what does a system look like when your goal is to make more Elons, right? And that's the, not to say every kid's, you know, most kids are not going to be Elon. Like hardly anybody is going to be like that. But like at least let's have some heroes. Like who who are our heroes? Are they people who sit around writing papers? Are they people who take action in the world and change the world? And I think there should be some system where, you know, for the people, parents who want their kids to take action in the world and don't necessarily think the PhD is going to be, you know, is, is the be all end all of existence. There should be something like that. It reminds me uh, on Instagram, you see all these like memes or like right. motivational things. And uh, one of them is always like, I didn't go to Harvard, but everyone who works for me did. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like it kind of feels a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, where if you think Elon, like as far as I understand, he doesn't have a PhD in rockets. He doesn't have a PhD in engineering. He doesn't have kind of all of the traditional academic milestones but he's in the room with the people and helping them make decisions on how do we create a reusable rocket that we can land again on a drone ship in the ocean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the practical uses of the knowledge versus the academic. And sometimes people can marry those two things for sure. So it's sure. not kind of a black and white world, but I do think that ultimately if you look at synthesis and that style of learning, what are you optimizing for? Are you optimizing for the academic accolades or are you optimizing for becoming a problem solver. And I yeah, feel like yeah. that's the big difference here. Yeah. And there's a lot in education that's just purely about status signaling. A lot of people who really, they want their kids to go to Harvard or, or Princeton or, or Stanford. It's, it's primarily like a class and like a status game. And you know, that's, people are always going to do that. That's, that's uh we're, we're not going to solve that. But I think for a certain set of people, you know, it's, it's really, it's more interesting to them to, ha to have their kids grow up and be able to exert their will in the world as, as much as possible in, independent of like fitting into some, uh, you know, status hierarchy. It's more important to be able to think effectively and do effectively. At least that's the way I feel. It's the way a lot of entrepreneurs uh, feel about raising their kids. And that's, you know, our early customers tend to you know, be more entrepreneurial um, in their background. Because if, you know, if you the current system's fine if you know you're gonna go to Harvard and you're gonna you know wear the work at an investment bank and wear the Harvard sweatshirt like 20 years later if that's gonna be like the the pinnacle and you're trying to fit into this uh, you know social environment like 
you know, fine, people are going to do that. And that, that's no problem. But that's just, we just have a system with just a different goal. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's been some sense over the last like, uh, you know, year and a half or so that there's this, this uh, sort of strange, um, you know, blip that we're living in with the, with the pandemic. And I think there was a sense that things were going to go back to normal and it's starting to feel like maybe things aren't going to go back to normal now. And, and one of the things I think is probably not going to go back to normal is the trust that the, that the school system had, like we talked about this last time, there's great people working in the school system, all of them generally care about kids and, and are, you know, most of them are doing it for the right reasons, but that system is just, uh, it's just too big and unwieldy to change. And so I think you're going to see parents opting out and choosing, choosing other avenues that align with their values, because I think there's going to be more and more sense that the traditional systems don't align with our values. Yeah. Well, the existing system too feels very hierarchical and it feels very kind of factory based in terms of like, okay, you go to first grade, you learn this stamp of approval. Okay. Go to second grade, you learn this and we're going to kind of move you through these 12 stages of the factory and we're going to kick you out at the end and voila, you're a genius, right? And you can go on to, to college, which, you know, you said in the past, like if we were optimizing for factory jobs, that would make a ton of sense, right? You're like literally, you know, turn, grab this, put it here, press it, you know, move it, do it again. And and we'll teach you these skills and, and whatever. But now when we start to move into these more digital environments, the locations are different, the job skills are different, the companies are different, the products are different. We started to yeah. think about this. And I, I recently uh, w- was uh, looking at a company um, and uh, this specific company is interesting because it is, uh, it's called a spot, I, I think. And what it allows you to do is uh, do walking meetings over the phone. Okay. And so I was thinking to myself- Is it a phone call? It's a phone call, okay. but basically they've got an entire piece of software that helps uh, for like note taking and sharing screens and like, oh, okay. like it's, it's okay. imagine, Hey, if I wanted to optimize a phone call for a meeting mm. versus a regular phone call, right, right. it would be different, right? Okay. It wouldn't just be a zoom link for example. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, whether they're successful or not is completely, uh, still to be determined, but all I could keep thinking about myself is imagine 15 years ago saying to somebody, I'm building a company for walking virtual meetings. Yeah. Yeah. They would have like smashed Terrible, you, terrible right? idea. Yeah. Right? Now I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. I, like, I need that. Like, yeah. Give me the link. Right. Yeah. So you, so you think of something like that. And then you start thinking about the fact that like, imagine if you had told kids 15 years ago, Hey, you're going to sit at home and you're going to look through a portal and that portal is going to get you into this like metaverse, which seems to be the the you know popular term today. Yeah. And you're going to play games in, in the virtual world with other kids, and then you're going to like it, and you're going to leave and have fun. They've been like it's like video game, like Sega Genesis, right? You know, yeah. or like whatever. Yeah. But actually, that's basically what you guys have backed into or built here is. Yeah. You can use it with all the academic terminology of, you know, virtual reality and metaverse, like all these things like make people sound smart. Or you can just say, no, we bring together kids anywhere in the world and help them solve problems. And they learn how to do that. Yeah. And it feels like the the more that you approach this from like a, these are directly actionable skills that you can take into the real world, the more that you're seeing kids get those skills. Like, like it's against what are you optimizing for as yeah. a school versus we want you to leave and, you know, be able to say two plus two is four because yeah. the final test at the end of the year. School is a very sure. low ambiguity environment. And like, if you look at, you know, you're talking about the, the company you were just mentioning, like you had to be able to respond to a changing world very quickly. 
right? And like the, the world is just a, it's a high ambiguity environment. Synthesis, high ambiguity environment. And back to the masters of chaos thing. Like I believe it is a skill to, to embrace the chaos. Like it, 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 there's a reason, you know, there's special forces folks that go through all this training, right? Because you, you just get thrown into an unfamiliar environment enough times and you start to, you, your kind of emotional response sort of dampens and you start to learn how to, you know, look around and like keep your cool in those situations. And that's just like a critically important skill in today's world. And there's also, there's, there's a skill that is, uh, you know, back to how Josh kind of came up with this by watching Elon, like there are pure reasoning skills that are independent of context and you can, you can learn those things. And, you know, now with everything, the kids can, they can just go research and get all the factual knowledge they need on, on YouTube, you know, all the, anything that's like specific to their field, like you can go research that. And so what do we focus on? It's kind of this like mental agility, right? It's, it's the building the abilities to be adaptive to whatever situation. And that's what we're trying to do. I don't know if this is going to be the right approach, if this is going to work exactly. It seems to be working so far, uh, but you know, it's still early, but that's at least, that's the attempt. And I, like I always tell the team, like if we, if we make this work, it's going to be very obvious. Everyone's just going to say, well, that was obvious. Of course, in the internet age, like you're going to learn to think through like, you know, playing video games and simulations. But like, of course, of course that's how it had to work. And if we fail, everyone's gonna be like, of course that failed. You're a bunch of idiots. You try to make a school around video games. Like, of course. So it's, uh, you know, I think that that intellectual humility is, is good. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes so far. You know, kids seem to love it. They seem to be building the skills, but, uh, you know, it's early days. The, the intellectual humility uh, reminds me of, um, I had this life experience one time, uh, and I haven't thought about this in years. Uh, it was during a training exercise in the military and we were at a, uh, I think it was a leadership school or something. And, uh, I was one of the lowest ranking people there. And so basically my job was like, get through the school. The people who are higher ranking are actually the ones that are like getting all the training and like, you're just there to be osmosis. fodder to train the other guy. Yeah. yeah like I'm kind of just like a body, right? right so right. like whatever. And, uh, and we kept doing this drill where, uh, yeah, basically there was a enemy, that was uh, mm. far away and we had to navigate our way there and then basically uh, attack them or take them out or, or whatever. And so I'd gone through it two, three, four times uh, as kind of, again, just like a body who was taking orders from the hires and the guy who was running the drill at some point were grabbing water. He's like, you want to be the leader in the next like iteration of it? And I was like, no, <laughs> right? like, I'm, like, not I'm not about to go tell, you know, a sergeant first class what to do, like, yeah. the whole thing. And he's like, no, I think you should do it. And so we basically uh, start it and, and we go and uh, there's kind of like a point that you got to where you like reassess like, okay, where, where is, where are we, where is the enemy, et cetera. And I don't know why I thought of it the way that I did, but I basically said to him, I said, listen, we're here. We can identify where the enemy is. Can I just call in an airstrike? And the guy was like, I don't see why not. And so literally he gets over the radio and he basically is like, all right, you know, enemy group or whatever to the other train goes, you guys are all dead. He just called it an airstrike. <laughs> and of course you can hear him in the background. They're like all screaming, that's cheating. That's like, you know, all this stuff or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I remember we got back and we did this whole kind of like uh, after action review in, in the military. And the thing that the uh, guy asked me was, he goes, why did you do that? And I was like, honestly, I didn't want to have to go trek through the woods. <laughs> right. And like, like, it was like a very like selfish kind of like yeah. smart ass reason for doing it. But it, it made me think, and, and I've thought about it a lot through life, is like, 
you don't have to just do the thing that is the most egotistical thing because what did everybody else yeah. do that was like the the high ranking leader they basically just went in and they wanted to like full on one on one combat of yeah. like your team my team let's shoot at each other let's see who what's wins. you trained for it, to some degree, right? It's yeah. like the, the machoism of it. And so I think a lot of like from a problem standpoint, Elon with the reusable rockets, it's like, oh, the rockets are expensive. Like, why don't we just reuse them? Yeah. And that's almost like a such a ridiculous idea if you come from that world yeah. that you need an outsider to be able to do it, but you need somebody who has a skill set. And so is your thought process that you're essentially teaching these kids how to think differently or, or think outside the box, if you will. And so naturally majority of them will go on to be entrepreneurs and, and, and kind of pursue that lifestyle. Or is it just, no, this is as effective inside of a corporation as a mid-level manager, as it is, as you know, the founder of a business. I think so. I think it's a second one. I mean, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, being, being an entrepreneur is, uh, is a crazy thing to do. I don't think most, most people are going to really want to do that and deal with the kind of lifestyle and all that. But, you know, we've, we've, we've got to hire a lot of people. Like who are we looking to hire? Like it's, it's often, you know, it's really almost like being a good student is sort of inversely correlated with success in like a startup environment or trying to do something new. It almost, it just seems like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter at all. It's just like completely irrelevant. Maybe some people who do really well in school are, are, you know, able to, adapt and think for themselves, but it doesn't, it, it just seems to be kind of like random. Doesn't seem to be much, much correlation there. Um, so yeah, we're, I, I'm, I'm excited about the hiring we're doing. Like it, we get, you know, we have one, one guy who's 19 and like dropped out of college. He was homeschooled and like went to college for like a year, dropped out. He's like, this is too slow. We hired him, you know, he's amazing. He's able, able to, you know, really like, uh, you know, just think creatively and think independently. So like we're, you know, if you can learn to think like that and just solve problems, like, you know, we're hiring people, we're not hiring them to like, go do the, the infantry combat, right. We're like hiring them to solve the problem. And so if you have those skills, it doesn't, you know, whether you're starting your own company or, you know, starting your own thing, or you're going to go work at another company, um, those skills are you, those are in short supply. Like Elon's going to need a lot of people who can think creatively to colonize Mars. Right. And so whether you start your own thing or not, these are the skills you're going to need to succeed in life. How important in the environment is it for the kids to have different experiences going into it? Like in terms of, um, okay, go back to the special forces. One of the things that they really optimize for is you don't want everyone that comes from the same world that you went to the same schools, like all the stuff they actually want. Who's a kid who grew up in Kentucky, right? Yeah. And literally could shoot blindfold and be great. Right. Uh, and then who's the person who actually has an engineering background and like, yeah, you, you want to put those people on a team together and mm -hmm. teach each other, et cetera. Yeah. How important is it for the actual environment for these kids to, um, you know, have somebody who's interested in math, have somebody who's interested in non-mathematical subjects and like bring them together to solve yeah, the problems? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that that's really helpful. That's something it took me a really long time to realize was like when you're building teams, you know, the, at the company, you know, you're, you're, it, it, it the idea like of like well-rounded people is, is not that, not that great of an idea really. Like if, cause if you, I have like just these extreme weaknesses that like I've, I've come to, I used to like deny that this is how the world worked and I, I'm just like strong at everything, but like I, I've got these like incredible weaknesses and like strengths that offset them somewhat. So I'm like looking for the 
person who's like the the puzzle piece or like the team to go around me, like fill in the skills that I'm missing. And that's, that's how synthesis works as well. Like you can do, you can have like the division of labor in the synthesis simulation. So if you're, you know, if someone's like really great at like analytical, like pattern matching type of thinking, you can apply them in one area. If someone else is like a better leader, communicator, like consensus builder, they have like a different role to play. And so I think there's like a lot more we can do to explore that. That's just something that's kind of emerged from the simulations the kids like divide up these roles with each other's like like based on their skill set but i think again like that's school is individual it's individual and it's in low ambiguity like well-defined problem environments life always a team sport when you're doing anything interesting and always a high ambiguity environment if you're going to do anything interesting and there's probably always going to be jobs where you just kind of get told what to do and execute it faithfully and do well. But the, the, those are not going to, uh, not going to pay very well. What age are the kids that, uh, right now can get into synthesis? The youngest are six, but that's kind of like a special case. They're like very, very, very precocious six and seven year olds. Um, and then, you know, eight year olds is normally we wear, uh, you know, that most, most of the cohort starts at eight to about 13 or 14. Got it. And do you put eight year olds with 12 year olds and kind of mix and match the ages or how do you break that down? To some extent. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's, that was said hesitantly. What's that? <laughs> you said that hesitantly. The thing, if you're, if you're a 12 year old and you know, you're really, you're really, really, really bright, uh, then, you know, it's fine to be with like eight and nine year olds once in a while where you're kind of the leader and uh, you're trying to kind of pull them up to your level is really valuable for the younger kids. It's really valuable for the 12 year old. But you also when you're at that age, you really want to be expanding your you want. They want to be you know, we have this concept like no speed limit, right? You want to be pushed kind of as hard as you can go. That's especially true for the, like a lot of the really bright kids that are in synthesis. They're not challenged at all in their school environment. And so they're looking for something that's just really like hardcore, complex and challenging. And so they don't want to be with like nine and 10 year olds, they got to be with other kids that are super advanced. So we try to mix it up basically. Cause I think this is one of the most sociopathic things about the way we've designed the school system. And you know, it's not, not the people's fault who are in the system now, it's just been going this way for a long time. Age segregation is a sociopathic idea, right? You don't ever get to be a mentor to anybody and you don't have, you don't have uh, mentors yourself who are just, you know, the way we learn Humans, you know, we're made for tribes. We, we go from infant all the way up to elder and the, the, the all the people at all these levels around us. You know, this, this is like our biological environment. And then school, when you break that apart and you're like, you're going to be only with seven year olds right now. It's it's you're just kind of lost in time. You're disconnected from the past and disconnected from the future. I think it causes a lot of anxiety and stress. There's a lot of animal studies where you see this. If you if you separate animals, they don't have, you know, a stronger role model to look up to. They just they just fall apart. Like we're made to live in these sort of like hierarchical uh, you know, somewhat hierarchical communities. And so that's part of what, what synthesis, what we aim to do is like, give you, if you're in the young end, we want to get you around people who are like two years older, cause they're going to be the ones that you're going to look up to and try to emulate. And then we're going to get those kids with people who are like two years older and just create this kind of chain rather than isolate everybody and be like, you're only with people your own level. Cause that's not life, right? It feels like not having a child, this is going to be a wild statement, but, uh, 
a six and a 12 year old. Everybody has opinions is, about raising kids before they have kids. No, it was not even raising kids, but like a six year old and a 12 year old from what I would imagine is like very different, very right? Different, in terms yeah. of the cognitive development and, yeah, and, and yeah. all of that. Uh, so two years sounds a lot more reasonable than like, let me put my six year old, a 12 year old and like have them have mental combat. That seems like it probably wouldn't be so they competitive. Get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hate, I even hesitate to say that we accept six year olds cause it is sort of like a rare, I didn't put my own son in it till he's seven. So I don't think there's any, you know, there's not this incredible value from getting in younger. Uh, everybody develops like the conceptual faculty at a different mm -hmm. age. It's usually like somewhere between six and eight, six, if you're on like the really, you know, if you're, if you're really like develop that early, but as far as I can tell, there's no advantage to developing it early. It's just synthesis is going to be most effective once you can start to think abstractly and conceptually. And for my seven year old, it was just like shortly after he turned seven, our conversations, we talk about evolution. I always talk about evolution uh, with him. And about after he turned seven, he started to be able to kind of make sense of it. And and so that's when synthesis is going to be helpful because, you know, what we're looking to do is I think that education is just really is learning to think conceptually, to think in terms of patterns, not in, in terms of always the specifics. And so what we do is you're trying to play these games, simulations, you're building your reasoning skills, you're building your communication with the other kids. We're also trying to layer on concepts on top of that. So we want you to learn how the world works. And we make these series of videos for kids to explore that, like learn about network effects, learn about game theory, learn about these big concepts that are going to affect everything mm -hmm. that you look at in the world. And you really, you just can't, every, all, I get all these emails from parents and, and DMs that are like my five-year-old or my four-year-old, I want to get them in. I'm like, just take it easy. Like don't just give your kids lots of love and let them play outside and hang out with other kids at that age. When they get to be the age, you know, for synthesis, then, then you can put them in and you don't have to be like in a huge rush for it. How does a parent know that their kid's ready? Like, are, is there a question, a magic question they can ask? And it's like, Oh, okay. My kid is like now cognitively ready for this. I don't know. That's a good question. Actually, we should, we should try to get more, uh, um, well, they talk more resolution it. on this because it help us for our, for our admissions. Um, we're actually going to be putting out an, an application. That's kind of like one of the games that you can play. And that's a really good, that that'll be sort of a really good test. So it's going to be like a single player game, um, where you're playing, you're just playing against a bot and you can see, like I had my five-year-old and seven-year-old play it and the five-year-old kind of plays it and just, just like, just plays it. Right. And he figure out the, how to win, you know, after a while, but he's not, he has no understanding. He cannot explain why he's able to win. The seven-year-old will look at it just in a completely different way. And like it start, he'll be able to identify the pattern and explain it to somebody else. And so that that's kind of, this will be like a, a good, yeah, sort of, uh, uh, you know, test for, uh, for, for kids. If you, if you, you know, want to find that out. Yeah. Parents are going back to school now. Well, I guess parents are sending their kids back some to school. Some of them are, yeah. <laughs> so, some of them. Um, how should they think about synthesis in terms of this is supplemental to the school environment and what's kind of the pitch as to like why they would want to put their kid into this? Uh, I think the really the, just the simple version is you, you, you learn how to think. I, mean, I don't think schools do a good job teaching us how to think, at least you know, none of my schools did. And I didn't Same. know the worst part about not knowing how to think is you, you don't know that you don't know how to think, right? You think you feel something and you're like, this is thinking and you know, it's, it's, that's not the way it works, but you don't really know that until you go through it. So if you are satisfied and you think the current, you know, your current schools are, uh, are doing a good job, um, 
teaching your kids to think, then, then I think that's fine. Um, if you think that's a gap that's missing, like we do, like Elon thought that, um, then check out synthesis. It's, uh, it's enrichment. So you can do it. Uh, we have now we're expanding to be like, we have a part, like a, a full stack school is, is very limited right now, but you can, you, you can do synthesis for your, uh, all your education. Um, or you can come and do like an hour a week. So kind of whatever you, uh, you have time for and whatever your kids are interested in doing. Got it. What's been the most fun part about this for you? The most fun. Um, and just, uh, I have something fundamentally human about just imagining something. So it's, it's, it's our year anniversary since we did our first. So the first person paid for synthesis, which, you know, I think we, we took, the, we, we asked people to pay before we really had anything. So we like people paid and then we like scrambled to put something together. Um, but it was just, just about a year ago. Um, and what's crazy is reflecting on that and seeing like just the, what you, what we imagined, just having that come to be in the world, seeing that interact with people, just seeing so many families, like just, just be fully bought in and get behind this vision and just, just tell us these like life changing stories. Like that's, it's the most meaningful thing that you could do, right? Like it just passed down, uh, you know, what we, what we think works, what's going to work for our kids, like this, the next generation that's going to build the civilization, being able to work on something that meaningful and being able to just kind of imagine, you know, how we think it should work and, and put that out into the world and see it take root is, uh, I mean, that's incredible. It feels like if this works, everyone will be excited. It'll have a big impact. If it doesn't work, everyone will be excited uh, that you tried, right? So it kind of goes back to the Elon That's idea. The look of at it. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it's worth trying. It's contributing to human knowledge either way, as long as we don't, you know, totally screw it up. Like at least, you know, you can, f we can find out that this won't work and you know, that's valuable on its own. Someone else, the next person to come along can try something different. Um, so we'll see. I have my kids in it. Uh, you know, Elon had his kids go through something like this. So, you know, we'll see if it, I think it's, uh, people ask how we're going to measure it and like, we're going to, we're going to get to that. But right now it's like, does this explanation make sense to you? Like, are your, are your kids really not learning how to think, Do you, you know, is it valuable to, you know, combine like the ability to take action and work with others with these, uh, you know, kind of problem solving skills. If that explanation makes sense and you think that's missing in school and you believe these things can be built, you know, in a different way than our education system, then I think that's, you know, if that speaks to you, then, then put your kids in it. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it's fine. You don't you, have to. You may do be it. right. Yeah, you don't have to do it. <laughs> That's the beauty of choice. Uh, where can we send people to uh, to enroll their kids if they want? Uh, Synthesis.is is the website. Synthesis.is is. All right, man. Well, listen. Thank you so much for doing this. What's your Twitter, by the way? At Chrisman. At Frank. Chrisman Frank. All right. Easy. <laughs> Easy breezy. I guess so. <laughs> All right. We'll do this again. Go sign your kids up. Synthesis.is. If your kids are going back to school and you want them actually to learn something and learn how to think, I can say that he can't. But if you actually want your kids to learn something, go to synthesis.is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> do it again in the future, man. Thank you.